Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. We, we have a vast history, not just in our nation, but across the face of the world, in what has been the fighting for kingdoms, fighting for the establishing of thrones, fighting that a man or a woman, a family, a lineage might be able to secure on behalf of themselves, but on behalf of a people, a kingdom. We watch it early in the Old Testament with that famous king, King David. We watch at the twilight of his life as there is a battle for his throne. He was on a throne that the Lord had put him upon. The Lord had given him placement. And I want to remind us that when God wants us in a role, he will put us there. That we will never get to a place in God on the necks of others. God is able to open the right door. God is able to establish the right role for you. When God is ready for you to have a new job, a new position, He can open that door. He can make that boss that you think doesn't even know your name notice you all of a sudden. He is able to Elevate. And as it pertains to King David, there was work to steal the throne. But at the end of the day, David made a clear decision. In Daniel chapter 5, we watch a pretty incredible scenario play out. We watch this fighting for the Persian Empire. There's Cyrus. It's followed by his son, Cambys. And then, ultimately, a more familiar to us man by the name of Darius would take the the kingdom and the throne. However, when Darius takes the throne, there are multiple individuals. Daniel 5 is the backdrop for this. Multiple individuals that decide that they want the throne. And in order for there to be a breakthrough, Brother Devin, that you were just singing about, Darius has to take it into his own hands and has to fight for the kingdom. Now, I'm going to tell you something we should all be thankful for. We should all be thankful we're not in the Old Testament. (laughs) 
Because when people said, I'm going to kill you, they really meant. <laughs> but Darius had to stand against those who were trying to usurp two different individuals claiming to be someone that they were not. Trying to place themselves in the role of the king. If you'll allow me to pause and pivot for a moment, I will tell you that it has always been the desire ever since the fall of Lucifer and even before that he would try to elevate himself to the role of kingship. From his appearance as a serpent in Genesis, he is trying to usurp the word of God. Trying to bypass the word of God. Because he knows if I can get people to question the word of the king, I have gotten them to question the king himself. I don't need them to make a blanket statement against the king. I just need them to get in disagreement with the word of the king. And I would speak to you what I know many of you know, but I believe very strongly that the Holy Ghost has sent me to tell many of you here today, the enemy is trying to confuse you as to who the king really is and what his word really is for your life. So I want you to hear me and hear me very clearly. And even if you don't, I want the devil to hear me very clearly. There is one king of kings. There is one Lord of lords. And of his government, there shall be no end. And so I rise on this first Sunday morning in 2022 with all kinds of predictions about what this year is going to hold. And regardless of predictions, I will stand on prophecy. You take your prediction, I'll take his prophecy. You take your prediction, I'll take his prophecy. Well, I'm going to say it again. You take your prediction, I will take his prophecy. And his prophecy is, in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. So I am not overwhelmed with what the world looks like. Here's what I'm preaching on this first Sunday, that the throne is secure. The kingdom of God is secure. I want you to find three or four people and tell them it's secure. Come on, tell them it's secure. It's secure. It's secure. It's more secure than your job. It's more secure than your marriage. 
it's more secure than our finances. Heaven and earth may pass away, but his word is forever settled. It's secure. It's secure. I feel like holding my Bible while I preach. It's secure. This word is secure. I know that it's dark, but it's secure. The throne is secure. And if his throne is secure, then it means our response should be secure in his throne. Can I read to you about it? You know, New York was excited to, to get into the new year with a new mayor. Some of you watched it. Some of you saw Eric Adams sworn in as the new mayor of New York. And I pray to God it brings some peace. Pray to God there's some restoration that can occur. He said his first day to work, this guy that's making a fortune jumped on the subway to ride to work. I like that. I'm okay with that. But I like a statement that he made. He made a statement about COVID. And he said, we're going to have to learn how to thrive in spite of COVID. Come on, I don't think we need to be looking to secular leaders to try to establish who the church is supposed to be. In the, I want to use wisdom. I want to be mindful. But the church should be thriving in the middle of it all. You know what I believe? I believe that even if we couldn't gather together, if we were really strong apostolics in the middle of our homes, we would be having worship service and shout down and dancing and rejoicing. Come on, we'd be singing about breakthrough in the middle of our homes because the throne is secure even when the world is not and governments are not and principalities may rage. The throne of God is secure. Somebody shout amen. amen. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Hold fast our profession for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin my God let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Brother Hunter, I wouldn't embarrass you for anything in the world. I got great affection for you. I love you. You've been given a, a, a prognosis that I know is wrong and it's strong. And, and I understand it's probably wearisome. But I want you to know that I am going to the throne of grace boldly, just like you are. And this church is going to the throne... Because we can do it. Because we can do it. We can go to him. And the doctors can say one thing. But when we get to the throne, we know if we can get. I don't have anybody that still believes in healing. I mean, real, divine, supernatural. Brother Sleeve, I still, I believe it. I believe he can take care of knee problems right here. I believe he can take care of back issues right here. I believe he can heal blood diseases. 
I thank God for doctors, but that does not mean I'm not going to the throne. I'm going to the throne. I'm going. Anybody experience any healing last year in 2021? I want you to wave if you had any kind of healing. in 20. I want you to now shout. With your hands, I want you to begin to shout. Come on, I want you to begin to shout. Somebody shout, he's still able. He's still able. There's always been a fight for the throne. There's always been a struggle for kingship. Solomon sitting on David's throne finally. First Kings chapter 2 says the kingdom is greatly established. The kingdom was in a little bit of turmoil, but once Solomon got on the throne, said the kingdom is greatly established. God, help us not to be confused about who's on our throne. He may be on the throne of the heavens, but is he on the throne of your life? Josh Carson, is he on the throne of your life? I've been seeking God for revival in 2022, asking God for demonstrative move of his spirit, asking God that our church would be a zealous church on fire for prayer, on fire for fasting, on fire for worship. And I feel this reoccurring sense of acknowledgement that if he is the king of our lives, he can be the king of our church. If he is the king of our lives, he can be the king of our church. In Esther chapter 5, we know that Esther had to come and she had to be before the throne. If she really wanted to make a difference, she had to come before the king. I, I asked myself a question one time. What good is it if Esther lives in the palace but never gets in his presence? What good is it if we come to church but we don't really get in his presence? What good is it if we know what's right but we don't really get to the throne? What good is it if we live right, look right, dress right, talk right, act right, but we don't really do the most important thing? Every now and then I gotta just run to the throne and say I cannot do this on my own. Esther had a need that was bigger than her. It would be the genocide of the Jewish people of her time. And she goes to the king and she makes a petition. And I am telling you that I would echo Esther this morning in telling you that if we can get to the throne, the king can make a difference. If we would get to the throne... I am not embarrassed to say this is too big for us. It's too much for us. It's too big for me. It's too big for them. I don't care how good you sing. This is too big for you. I don't care how good you can play. This is too big. But if the king if the king would speak the word, then there is no enemy, there is no dominion, there is no authority, there is no power. Haman will hang on the gallows if the king says the word. All we need is the word of the king. Oh, I need somebody just rejoice with me about the word. The word of the king. What did the psalmist say? The psalmist wrote in 45 in verse 6, Thy throne, O God, is forever. It's not wavering. It's not changing. 
We're not wondering who has the throne today. Who has the throne this year? Who has the throne this while people in this world are posturing for thrones, we better keep our eyes fixed on the one where there is no change of leadership, where there is no kingdom. Ooh. There is no kingdom movement. In Psalm 103 verse 19, the Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth. There is an understanding that there is a ruling. For I'm thankful to know that he rules us from above. That his perspective, while he may walk among us, while he might be with us, his perspective looks beyond. You said it earlier, being the author and the finisher at the entirety of the timeline and looking here and looking there and knowing his, his kingdom is established forever. Isaiah chapter 6, this is that great prophet of God. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord... We usually quote over this and say, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up. But he said, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. It was going to line up with John's revelation that we're about to get to. He said, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. That throne was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. He said, I saw him. I saw him, and when I saw him, I knew everything would be all right. I knew everything could be okay. How many know that every now and then we just need to get a, flesh, a fresh glimpse of the Lord? A fresh glimpse of the Lord. I know everything is not easy, but when I get a fresh glimpse of the Lord. I know we don't talk about his throne very often, but I feel like preaching about it. It's his throne. It's his throne. And if I'm living right, Here's what I hope happens. I hope everywhere I go, I don't want to make any decisions without his throne involved. You know what I have found? When I make decisions without his throne in proximity, I make D-U-M-B decisions. That's dumb. Has anyone besides me ever made a dumb decision? Come on, just tattle on yourself. But aren't you amazed that when you get his throne in your life, when you get his throne in your life, it doesn't matter where you're at. You can even get elevated into a different place. When his throne's in your life, you won't let your career become your king. I feel like preaching that right there. When his throne is in your life, worst thing I can ever do is try to move him out of his. Looks comfortable. You better not. Because the moment you sit down and you take control, you can guarantee you are destined for heartache. But when he is the king of your life and his throne goes where you go, he walks with you. He leads you. I tell you, you know already, it gives you a different sense of authority. You'll be in the middle of an overwhelming situation. You'll be in the middle of a great trial. But when you get acknowledgement of the throne, you'll find yourself saying, he's able. He's able. 
He's able. And even when you don't see the healing or even when you don't feel the deliverance or even when you can't find peace, you'll find yourself saying, but he's worthy. I'm telling you, if you can get a he's worthy in your spirit. Oh, man. If you can get a he's worthy in your spirit, it will transform everything else because you won't even need a good day to worship him. You won't need a good report to worship him. You just understand there's a reason it's his throne. There's a reason he's the king. There's a reason that he is Lord. Your king Uzziah died. I saw the Lord. He was lifted up. We often quote so much from Acts chapter 2. So I figured I might take you there this morning. Because we never quote this. We quote Acts chapter 2 all the time. Go ahead and turn there in your Bible. Because when old, old Pete's preaching, he gets to preaching real good and we love to get to Verse 38 and 39, and we really like verse 37 because they were actually pricked in their hearts. I'm going to tell you what, it's terrible to preach and someone not be pricked in their heart. But jump up eight verses. Jump up eight verses. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to. There is David, but there'll be a son of David. There's a, kingship that, there's a kingship that's greater than any patriarch that's ever walked. You might, look at, you might look at David, you might even get to John, but John, even though he's going to be a, a great dude, John, John ain't even going to be worthy to unloose his shoe. There's one coming. Peter said, let me tell you about the one we're talking about here. You like to talk about David. Let me talk to you about the Christ, the Christ, the Christ. You need to hear me very clearly. You've probably never heard this, but you hear me right now. Part of their hearts being, being pricked that day was understanding whose throne it was. Because your heart can't really be pricked unless you know who he... Unless you realize I've got to have him. I've got to have him in my life. Whether I've known God for five minutes or for 55 years, I've got I've got to have him. I've got to have him as the king of my life. Turn over, turn over a few chapters to Acts chapter 7. Are you all right? Acts 7, 39, to whom our fathers would not obey, but thrust him from them. And in their hearts, they turned back again. Where? Unto Egypt, saying unto Aaron, make us gods to go before us. As for this Moses, which brought us out of the land of Egypt, we want not what is become of him. And that's when they did what? They made anytime your throne becomes vacant, you'll fill it with something. You want to lead someone to repentance? I encourage you not to start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, or Acts. I encourage you to start in Exodus. <laughs> They've always had to get out of Egypt, and we got to get people out of the world. 
I'm telling you, the, the devil's number one assault against the church right now, I want everybody in this room to hear me very clear. The number one, please listen to me, everybody in the room. Number one assault against your mind and your family right now is to get you frustrated with the church and get you out of the church. Well, I don't understand. I just, I thought it would be this. I thought it would be, I, I just don't, doesn't make any sense. I'm going to tell you right now, you better hear me. You're a pawn in hell's hand. And your family is too valuable to the kingdom. Let me tell you his desire. His desire is to get your opinion on the throne and God off. His desire, man, I, I'm pastoring right now. His desire is to get your frustration on the throne and God off the throne. His desire is to get your irritation on the throne. And his desire is to get you to a place where Egypt looks good again. That's a lie from hell. Egypt will ruin your family. Egypt will destroy your babies. Yes, it will. They're downstairs, so I'm going to talk to us right now about this. Egypt wants to chew our babies up. I'm going to talk to the parents right now. Some of you whose kids are dating and in relationships, you better quit letting them act like they're married when they're 14 years old. I'm telling you right now, I'm in the Holy Ghost. If I've ever been in the Holy Ghost, I'm walking in it as pastor in the first Sunday of this year. And I'm telling you, they're 15. They're too young to be acting like they're steady. Little touching leads to a little kissing. Little kissing leads to a lot of scars. Come on now, this is righteous preaching. We are not feeding our children to Egypt. I'm going to say this right now. You still have veto power over what they wear. Come on, Grandma. Come on, Grandpa. Come on, Mom, Dad. You've got veto power over that. We don't wear that in this house. Why? Because there is a king that sits on the throne of our house. Holiness is only out of date if he's no longer your king. Well, holiness is relative. No. Holiness is him. He is holiness. We got to live by this word. Man, is this, I know it's a little strong. I'm, not, I'm trying to help you right now. I'm trying to help me right now. Come on, there is no... No little girl with her paws deserves to come in and destroy your boy for the rest of his life. And vice versa. No little boy. Come on, dads. Where are you at? Where are the men in this room that will recognize? I'm going to tell you right now. I'm not offering my babies up to Egypt. I understand there will be things they fight. They're just normal kids. But if I got to go down clawing and fighting and praying and seeking, why am I doing that? Because the king of my life says that it's right. Whether popular or not. Whether... Whether people like it or not. Why am I doing it? King says so. How do you know? 
Are you kidding? I got the word. The word tells me that I've got to cling to what is right. I've got to cling to what is righteous. And if we allow Egypt, it won't be long until the throne is vacant and a calf is built. I'll tell you what we're not doing at Calvary. We're not building calves. We're not building calves. I'm going to talk real... I'm going to talk real bold. We're not even building Pentecostal ones. At the end of the day, whatever color we paint doesn't matter. I don't know about that. At the end of the day, whenever the color of the carpet isn't green, sometime this summer. Thank you, Brother Faulkner. Thank you, team, for work. But some people, if we're not careful, some people will think, I don't, I don't know how to work. I don't know. I'm not making fun of you. I'm just telling you, if you're not careful, you can build a calf. We can build a calf out of things that don't. We can put stuff on thrones. Let me dabble just a little bit more. Since I'm dabbling anyway, I'm in this puddle. I might as well splash around. Certain spectrums of music are not more old, new, one style over another. Oh, I've heard that before, Pastor. You're going to hear again. Because ladies and gentlemen, I just want to know this. Is the song acknowledging him? My bigger question is not even from what era, what era it's from. My bigger question is it theologically sound? I've had, I've had to tell the team in the last year, that sounds good, never sing that again. That sounds wonderful, never sing it again. What? And I'm, I'm going to be careful, I'm going to be careful, but I'm going to say it. We've got some old ones we sing. Well, okay. I know it might feel good, but I want to make sure, does it put him? Does it put him on the throne of my life? Does it ensure? That's why it matters what you listen to in the car. That's why it matters what's in our phone, on our iPod, and what... I know that's not popular, but it's real preaching because I need him to be on the throne of my life or lest I build a golden calf and act like it's fine and say, well, we're still worshiping. If it was just about zeal, then when Moses came down off of the mountain, they would have been fine because if it was just about jumping around, if it was just about dancing around, Moses would have said, well, they're doing good. It's about what the worship is aimed at. That's why, I listen, I'm going to tell you right now. I want to be a part of a worshiping church. And I know I'm rambunctious. I'm passionate. It's obvious. I understand that. I like aisle running. I do. You better be careful on the grade. 
I like dancing in church. I do. I do. I like it from David in the book, but I also like it from Luke 15. When that old brother came, he heard music and dancing because that's the way the house should be when prodigals come home. That was Jesus, what he said. So I like all that, but I want to make sure that when we do it, we know why. I want to make sure that when we're hopping around, we know why. We're not just hopping around because that's what we do. We're dancing before a throne. We're worshiping before a throne. And to my people that have never done it, I'm going to tell you there are people in this room right now. God has challenged for years to be more exuberant in worship and you've never done it. But if you'll get a clear view of the throne this year, if you'll get a clear view of the throne this year, you won't allow your pride to be on the throne. You won't allow your ego to be on the throne. You won't allow your lack of confidence to be. You just put God on the throne. And you say, I don't care who sees me. I don't care who notices me. I just got to have him as the God of my life. That's why I believe it's more important for some people than for others. It is. For some people, it's important. Listen, if you're rambunctious about everything but God, I mean, you're rambunctious about everything. Get your cup of coffee in the morning. Woo, praise God. But you come into church and you are an imitation bump on a log. You won't answer to me for that, but you will answer to God for that. You will. He's got to be the... He's got to be the king on your throne. Is this all right? Turn in your Bible to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1, if they've got it, I want them to put it on the screen. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 8. Because we're going we're gonna to look at this together. But unto the Son he saith, thy throne, O God, is what? Forever and ever. Forever and ever. Forever and ever. A scepter. Of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. What about when the world goes bleak forever? Brother Dugas, Sister Dugas, when we have tough losses, the kingship is not rattled. Brother Turner, when we're in a scenario where the district superintendent of our own state is laid on the table and we don't know the outcome, while there may be uncertainty in our minds, there is no rattle in the throne. It's forever. It's forever. It was forever when even one of the angels tried to rise up. Even gathered not only himself, but angels with him that would become fallen angels that would be thrown. The Bible says, cast as lightning. You know why? Because the throne was unwavered. So I need to tell somebody on this start to this year, regardless of your situation, the throne is intact. 
regardless of what you've been dealing with, the throne is intact. And so, listen, you don't need to do anything new, but just acknowledge the throne. Just acknowledge the throne. Well, I've been dealing with this mentally. Acknowledge the throne. I've been battling this spirit. Acknowledge the throne. If you will be in genuine covenant with Jesus Christ and acknowledge the throne, you will not care what anybody says about you when you come boldly. I know who they are. Yeah, well, he knows who they are. I know what they've done. Yeah, but he knows what he's done. Turn in your Bible to Revelation. I got to preach this and I got to stop. And I got to let you go eat chicken or whatever you want to get. Revelation 7. Revelation 7. It's a little Bible. Woo! Woo! He's on the throne. He's on the throne. Revelation 7. Verses 9 to 11. And this... After this, I behold, beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations, kindreds, people, tongues, stood before what? The throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne. And unto the Lamb. And all the angels, those faithful ones, stood round about what? The throne. And about the elders and the four beasts. And fell down before what? The throne on their faces. And they worshiped God. Saying, Amen. Blessing. And glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might. Where? Be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Jump to verse 17 for the sake of your time right now. For the Lamb, which is in the midst of what? The throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. I need to tell you something. From the start of Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation, there has been a throne. Right now, as sure as we sit in this house, there's a throne. And at the end of it all, let pestilence come. There will be a throne. Mm. Let, let nuclear war come. There will be a throne. Oh, don't talk like that. You better listen. Let persecution come. There will be a throne. Let the mark of the beast come. There will be a throne. Come on, I know that's old time preaching. Hear me right now. Let them come and try to force the market. There'll be a throne. There'll be a throne. There'll be a throne. There'll be a throne. 
and there will be a church that will not bow its knee at any other throne, any throne of government, any throne of principality. There will be a church, and I want to be in the number. I want to be in the number when the saints go marching in. I, I want to be a part of that glorious bride that is without spot and, and without wrinkle that he will present unto himself. I, I want to be a part of the church. I want to be a part of the group that gathers there in robes that are whitewashed in the blood of the Lamb. I want John's revelation to have been of me. You recognize that right? Stand with me in the house. You recognize that right? John's revelation, he saw you. John's revelation, he saw us. He saw those that had been washed. He saw the gathering. There was a number that he said was, was so vast and in, in, in its expanse and gathered there with the four and the 20 elders, he said. But let me tell you what was most notable. There was a throne. And the lamp was there. My God. We got to get back to preaching about heaven and I plan on doing it. I, I mean, I'm going to do it. We're going to preach about hell, but we're going to preach about heaven. We've got to be right. I want us to lift our hands all over this room. As you lift your hands, if you're in this room right now and you say, I want his throne to be the throne in my life, I'm asking you to move out of your pew right now and come down and find a place. If you're nervous about being too close to other people, that's fine. You don't have to. But if you're not nervous and you're willing, I want you to come down to this front. Press as close as you can in this altar. They're going to play music softly. They'll, they'll, they'll play and sing in a minute. But I want you to come. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to come around this altar and lift your hands. And I want you to say, Lord, I want you to have all the rule in my life. I want your throne to be in my life. Hear me while you're coming. If his throne is set up in your life, you've got to repent. You must repent, which means to turn away from sin. If you're here today, please hear me. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, come here, Brother Trano. Come up here. Come stand up here on the platform so they know what you look like. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins, listen to me, please. If he's on the throne of your life, then you must be baptized. If you've never received the baptism of his spirit, it's referred to as the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Scripture. It is the Spirit of God coming inside of you. If you say, well, I'm not sure, you will know that you've received it because when you receive him inside of you, the Bible gives us clear evidence that believers speak with tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. That's, that's him being on the throne of your life, but please hear me, every, every new member and every elder in this room. If you can't remember the last time you prayed and spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance, you need to lift your hands. And you need to ask him to be on the throne of your life.